Hi, this is Dave Garcia, president of Rancho Mesa, and thank you for joining me and listening to today's podcast brought to you by Studio One, our safety and risk management network. In today's show, we'll be learning all about captive insurance programs, how they work, and how they are an option for you that you should be considering now or sometime in the future. My guest today will be Doug Hayden, the Senior Vice President of Captive Resources, which is one of the largest captive consulting companies in the United States, and premiums exceeding $2.7 billion and assets of approximately $7 billion. So, Doug, welcome to the show. Good afternoon, Dave. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. You bet. So, to get started, Doug, tell us a little bit about your background in the insurance industry and then your role within Captive Resources. Dave, I uh, cut my teeth in the insurance industry uh, about 34 years ago and uh, worked for a, uh, an insurance company selling uh, insurance, uh, business insurance, a company called Walkwell Insurance, for about 10 years. And uh, about 22, 23 years ago, joined Captive Resources and uh, assumed the position of one of our captive executives running a couple of the captive programs for captive resources and uh, helping kick off and create, uh, I guess, three or four of the captives over the years. Great. So uh, I know Captive Resources is a, a captive consulting company. Tell the audience, how would you describe what Captive Resources does? Well, what we're doing is we're working with businesses across the United States that have uh, demonstrated that there is a need and a desire to find a solution to the conventional way of them purchasing their uh, insurance. And uh, we found that by grouping companies together and allowing them to put together their own strategies with regards to how they want to run an insurance company has allowed them to do so and uh, have the same insurance coverages that they've had in the conventional market, but now giving them the ability to control ultimately their insurance destiny. Okay. So help me uh, in our audience, what, what would a perfect captive company look like in terms of, is it, is it a size, an industry, things like that, Doug? Well, captive resources, we focus on group captives, member-owned group captives, so grouping together like-minded business owners that have the same uh, desire, the same risk management strategy or goals in mind to keep their employees safe and sound each day, send them home to their families so they can come back the next day and be productive. So from a size standpoint, really, um, there isn't any size that you have to get to. Critical mass generally is when we grow a program north of $25 million, it's going to be in good shape for a very, very long time. At Captive Resources, we have many, many programs that are have exceeded $25 million, actually probably all of them, but two or three of our startups. So there really isn't any limit to a size. It's just getting it started with the right companies and making sure that you're able to demonstrate a, a level of profitability so that the reinsurers and the service providers want to uh, hang in there with you and grow together. I see. Do you find your groups, are they mostly homogeneous groups, same industry or heterogeneous, or does that make a difference for captive resources? 
Yeah, so Tokyo Resources, uh, we have probably equally the amount of homogeneous captives or industry-specific captives and heterogeneous captives. Homogeneous, you're obviously able to focus a little bit more on the services that are being rendered to that group of companies, i.e., in a trucking captive, we're able to provide specific services relative to transportation, unlike what we would be able to do if a trucking account was in a heterogeneous cap. And Doug, tell the audience, if you could, what lines of insurance are you typically looking at inside of a captive program? Well, in our captives, we're typically looking at the predictable coverages, which are the work comp, the uh, auto liability, auto physical damage, and the general liability. We also have a captive that also takes in property coverage as well as uh, health care. But our casualty programs are generally three line programs with the work comp, the GL, and the Is there any uh, one line that is mandatory to be in the captive, Doug, or can you select all three or any one of the three, or how does that work? Most of our captives um, have some flexibility and uh, would at least require the uh, work count. Again, our transportation programs would be a little different in that they would require the auto liability, but most of them would welcome all the lines of coverage, the work count, the GL, and the uh, auto. Um, we do have a few unique programs where um, general liability poses a little bit of an issue, so we're uh, hesitant to write the GL. I see. So, Doug, what do you feel are two or three of the greatest benefits for somebody that's going to join a captive for being in that captive program? Well, I think the number one benefit is just the, the long-term control over your insurance destiny. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, you take that control yourself, and like anything else, it might be a you take it and you make it with whatever you're willing to put into it. And uh, I think with that control comes the opportunity for great reward. And that reward can be in the form of you know, a safe workplace. That mm-hmm. reward could be in the form of reduced premiums. That reward can be in the form of receiving significant dividends back from your program. Do you see any apparent risks to a prospective captive member? Well, each one of our programs is structured with a risk-reward formula, and uh, it's our belief that that risk-reward formula is what allows members in our program to keep their high focus on that target. Uh, We believe that win-win doesn't work, but risk and reward does. A company will put much more into the reward side of the street because they know there is a potential risk side out there as well. What I'm talking about is a a financial risk and a financial reward. Right. Yeah, having skin in the game, so to speak, is always a good motivator to make people pay a little bit closer attention to their operations and their safety programs and such. Absolutely. What about the collateral requirements, Doug? Can you spend a second and talk a little bit about those? Well, our programs, um, with them being risk and reward, one of the uh, main focuses is if the organization were to be in a captive and uh, entering into this risk and reward proposition, 
what you don't want to have is a company in your program that is uh, ending up in a scenario where they owe the program money and that uh, they stiff the program and head, head to the hills. Right. So our programs uh, do require collateral, and that collateral is first and foremost there to protect the other members in the program. Right. Protect them from having to uh, take on somebody else's bad debt. So yeah, right. each of our programs has their own collateral requirements. And it's actually really the glue that holds these programs together long term. Sure, sure. So Doug, uh, regarding claims, how are they handled? Are they handled any differently uh, in the captive environment versus just in the standard marketplace? Well, I, I think the, the, the claims handling itself is fairly similar to the conventional marketplace, uh, albeit the participation by the members in the program, the pay and the opportunities that you have to interact with the different claims paying organizations, the claims adjusters, to get involved in cases to hopefully lend a helping voice getting a claim settled and behind an organization as quickly as possible, getting that employee back to work. So I think there is an opportunity for greater involvement. And again, ownership equals control. So there's greater control of the process than what some of us probably have in the conventional insurance market. Yeah, many of our clients that we have within one of your different captive options talk about that specifically, that they feel, you know, that they're heard, they have a seat at the table in discussing, you know, the management of claims. And that's a big, uh, in their view, a big carrot for them to be able to feel like they have a little bit more control, like you mentioned. So I do think that's a, a really key part of the whole captive process, as you spoke of. Are there, are there other services, Doug, that the captive provides, like loss control or things like that? Yeah, loss control is a significant component as well. And that loss control is there in a couple of different areas. It's there uh, when a company comes into the program to make sure that we're bringing in the best members. It's there to service the customer when they are already in the program to make sure that they are living up to the standards that this particular asset has put forward for its membership. It's there to recognize the top performers, and it's also there to look at the companies who have, may have taken a step backward who need a little additional help with regards to their safety program. So okay. loss prevention, claims management, uh, risk management strategy is really what we're offering here to support the financial arrangement of the gap. Sure. So let's if we can, Doug, shift gears a little bit to one of the captives that we're familiar with here at Rancho Mesa and that you're involved as a, one of the managers of, and that's the Artisans Captive. Can, can you tell our audience a little bit about your Artisans Captive program? Sure. The Artisans Program is a program that's been around for about 23 years. It uh, involves itself with specialty trade contractors uh, that operate in the state of California. The vast number of contractors that from the time dirt moves on a job site until the last coat of paint is put on a project, 
And mm -hmm. all those contractors in between, those would be the contractors in our program. So we probably have members from about 30, 30 different unique specialty trades. We're presenting today with uh, about 144 businesses in the program and uh, just shy of $40 million of annualized premium. Wow, that's a really healthy volume for that for that particular captive. That's great. Does that captive have any minimum premium requirements, Doug, or is that uh, pretty open to underwriting? Yeah, to get into the program, you have to have a hundred thousand dollars between the workshop and the auto. This mm -hmm. is a unique program where we don't do the general liability, because many of our uh, members in our captive do get involved themselves with. Residential construction and uh, yeah. own challenges. So we're just writing the auto and the work now. And as long as they come in at 100,000, we certainly allow companies to get better over time. So if they ultimately fall below 100, that's okay after they come in at 100,000. Okay. Our average account in the program today is about $330,000. Okay, great. So if a company's listening out there and they're interested in taking a look at this option, what, what are their next steps and what does that process look like for them? Well, I think their process would really be working with their professional from Rancho Mesa, um, pulling together some of their company's history. It's pretty simple whereby just putting together a simple spreadsheet, taking a look backwards about how your company has performed or your work time, or your auto. Um, take a look at how you performed over the last five to 10 years. Ask yourself the question, has your insurance company made money on it? Mm. If the answer is yes, then looking at a member-owned group capital might be an option that would allow you to reduce some of those dollars that you're essentially leaving in the hands of the insurance industry. Right. So in terms of maybe best practices and looking at this option, and I know you can turn around something quickly if need be, but how far out from, a, a in this case, an artisan to contractor's expiration date, should they be seriously you know, engaging with you know, a broker like Rancho Mesa or somebody else that represents a captive and then captive resources? What, what's best practices amount of time out if you could pick it? Is there such a time frame? Well, the best, the best thing in the process I'll start with is knowing that the client has been educated on what it means to be an owner of a captive insurance company or a member of a group captive insurance company. That discussion or that education can really take place at any time. Okay. But we can't start working on a, an account or a captive until that education has been done. Right. Once that education has been done, then we kind of work backwards. When would the client like to see the um, offering from the captive? Is it 30 days before the renewal, 60 days, 50, whatever it is, we'll work backwards and come up with that goal and make sure we hit that goal. Um, this is not a product where we try to quote unquote deliver in the ninth hour and force somebody into making it. <laughs> yeah. This is a very, I wouldn't, I wouldn't even term it a sale. This is an education and giving an organization an opportunity to buy. 
Yeah, I, and I can speak to that. I think you, you and your company have been, uh, you know, great partners of ours and done many workshops for interested people uh, for them just to come and become educated. So if and when this option becomes a viable option for them, they're comfortable with it as an option. And then you go through the underwriting process and see what it looks like. So I, I too would encourage any of the audience out there, educate yourself. Don't make the decision without understanding what you're really looking at here. And the people at Captive Resources do a tremendous job of explaining it and making it understandable. So I totally concur with that strategy, Doug. Um, I've taken up a ton of your time here, but and I've asked a lot of questions, but is there anything else you'd like to add before we wrap up? Dave, I, again, I just appreciate the opportunity. Captives are certainly not for everyone, but the companies that um, uh, have a keen ability to control logs, companies that are really want control over their long-term uh, insurance destiny, and companies that want to rub elbows with other like-minded businesses, those types of companies are the companies that uh, we've attracted over the years to the tune of over 5,000 of those businesses in our different wow. campus. And those are the companies that we will continue to attract. So again, probably not for everyone, but like everything else in life, it's one of those deals where the more that you put into your participation, the more that you will ultimately get out of it. Sure, sure. Well, Doug, listen, thank you so much for your time today and helping us all you know, get a better idea what captives are and when they could be the right fit or option for a business to consider. So, Doug, again, I really appreciate you joining me today. Thank you. Take care of yourself, Dave. That'll do it for today. So thank you for joining me and for tuning in to Studio One, our safety and risk management network. Until next time, stay well. This is Alyssa Burley with Rancho Mesa. Thanks for tuning in to our latest episode produced by Studio One. For more information, visit us at ranchomesa.com and subscribe to our weekly newsletter. Join us on Thursday, April 22nd from 9 a.m. to 10.30 a.m. to learn how you can take control of your company's insurance costs through ownership in an insurance captive. Designed for companies that are interested in retaining investment income while obtaining high-quality coverage and insurance-related services, we encourage you to investigate this truly unique concept. To register, visit RanchoMesa.com, click on Workshops and Webinars, and then click Register Online under the webinar description. Again, this webinar will be Thursday, April 22, 2021, from 9 a.m. to 10.30 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, and is available to everyone, but will not be recorded, so register today.